This is The Mystic Show, episode 190. Time to take it down a notch. Welcome, everyone, to The Mystic Show. A special welcome to you. You're listening to me right now. We're here together. And it's interesting, when this show starts... And the music is really calm, and and I don't come in speaking right away, right? Is can't you just feel your thoughts coming? Like, come on, hurry up! When is this guy gonna start talking? <laughs> that just goes to show how quickly our minds are moving all the time. Well, I'm happy you're able to join me, and on this show we talk about spirituality, and mindfulness, and meditation. And really, we try to stick to the deeper aspects of spirituality itself and really get to the the heart of the matter, if you will, which is our heart. (laughs) If you practice a lot of what we talk about on this show, it'll make a big difference in your life. You can hear the show as a podcast everywhere you hear podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and of course our website, themysticshow.net where you can sign up for the behind the scenes emails and you can get a free copy of Relax with Rumi. I made this little audio project of some relaxing music and I selected some Rumi quotes and I read them over the music and it's like 40 something minutes and you can just, you get a copy of it for free. So if you want to join our behind the scenes email list. And of course our sponsor, our partner, Pause Your Life. Pause Your Life is a nonprofit organization that my wife and I started, and we facilitate retreats and meetups. And Pause Your Life has a great email list as well. It's the midweek pause materials. So every Wednesday morning, you get some materials in your email inbox. That's a really good excuse for you to pause sometime on, the, on Wednesday. It's the middle, middle of the week. It's just really powerful material. So go to pauseyourlife.org and you could just go to the footer and you'll see like a zillion links. Well, not a zillion. <laughs> it's not confusing, but there's a lot of resources at, in the footer at pauseyourlife.org and the midweek pause materials is, is one of the links there. So it's been a little bit since I've recorded a new episode and that's for various reasons. I, I The main one being... I had found this guy, Jordan Peterson, on YouTube, and I've been watching his videos, and he actually is a professor at the University of Toronto, and he records his lectures, and he posts them on YouTube. And he has one course, it's called Maps of Meaning, and I started watching it, and it's like probably 30 hours of lectures, and and it's all about belief systems, and psychology, philosophy, you know, the old stories, the mythology, 
political systems. Like it just, it's deep kind of, I wouldn't say it goes all over the place, but he is a very smart man and he has a heart, which is the best part of it. He's not just an intellectual for the sake of being smart. He understands that, for instance, in scientific knowledge, it's not always good to follow where science may lead. For instance, the atomic bomb. It doesn't do any good to humanity. <laughs> so just because you can do something scientifically doesn't mean you should do it. So there's a higher truth there, a moral truth, if you will. And anyway, that's a deep subject. So I felt after watching some of his videos and really enjoying it, I felt like coming on this show and really talking about these subjects. But the problem is I don't know enough to talk about them. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't be able to talk about them at length. <laughs> I wouldn't have good examples. Like he's a guy who's been teaching this for probably almost 30 years. So he, he's very fluid and he just, it, it just the store of knowledge in his mind and in his being is vast and, and mine is certainly not like that in the areas that he's talking about. So every week I would want to record a new mystic show and I would kind of think, well, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and really I felt like I was in school. You know, I felt like I was in the learning mode instead of the talking and presenting mode. So anyway, I think, well, you know, in your life, you go through phases Sometimes you write in your journal every day for a year or two. And then you might go three years without writing in your journal at all. And you might think, oh, I should be writing in my journal. And you might beat yourself up for that, right? But that's wrong because we don't just do the same thing all the time. There are rhythms and there are time frames for things. And it's just, there's so much to our lives that you can't just make it that simple and say, Ooh, I should be writing a diary. I'm a bad person because I haven't been. So things happen. Life moves in a zigzag way, <laughs> right? It's not always straight to the goal. And so, so that's life and we see it. We know it, you know it in your own life. So the thing is there's some natural flow and following that natural flow is very, very important. So, all right. Well, it's time to get into this next thing. So for about the last year, I've been going through a sort of metamorphosis. And I've really been reluctant to discuss it. Because it is so deep and so meaningful. That I just didn't know how to express it. And I was sort of, I was in the middle of going through it, sort of. So, you know, I, I really, I didn't know the extent of it yet. Uh, but now it's been, like I said, about a year since it started, since the metamorphosis started. And I feel definitely within the last six months that I've come to grips with it. And I've, I understand it and I'm okay with it and <laughs> I'm not, you know, resentful to anybody or angry with anybody. So I feel like now is a good 
time to talk about it because I think it's an important, you know, an important transition in a human life. And the transition I'm talking about is so so in in spiritual training, there's the practice, and then there's the role of the spiritual guide. And then there's this idea of the goal, right? What is the goal of human life? You know, the masters say that it's oneness with the universe or enlightenment or merging with the divine or self-realization. So, but really, you know, what is that? Well, (laughs) your mind can't understand that. So you just have to start practicing, meditating and cleaning and in a sense, purifying yourself through a practice with the help of a spiritual guide towards a goal. And that's when real progress happens. When you have all those three things, you have the method, the master and the goal. And the role of the guide, as they say themselves, they they tell us that the role of the guide is to basically connect you with your inner master So you can take guidance from inside because that's spirituality. Spirituality looks inside. Everything else, including religion, looks outside. So we know everything outside us is just sort of an illusion, relatively real. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But what's inside you at the deepest level is, is, (laughs) it will always be. And so what is that? Well, that's what we're trying to find out. Because when you get in touch with that divinity within yourself or the center within yourself, then you just know what to do. You know what's important and it's easy to act properly. And you don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to get validation from outside yourself when you're in touch with your inner self Self with the capital S. So, you know, I've been practicing the Sahaj Marg system for many years. And I still am. And I still teach it as well. I'm a local teacher here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And it's a system that literally has given me everything in life. Like, I I don't... The the way my life was going before I entered the system was not good. (laughs) And there's no way I would have ever been able to turn it around and even get on a really good path and make serious progress. I couldn't have done that on my own. I absolutely could not have done it. So the masters have, have blessed me with so much. And, you know, it's taken some effort on my part for sure. But again, my effort is not nearly enough to do anything. In reality. So I'm very happy, you can imagine, and I feel very blessed that I found the practice and that I was able to do the practice. And I still am able to do the practice, and the spiritual guide is there. So so here we enter some murky waters. Because on one hand, the practice and the guide are for life. Meaning you just, you you keep growing, right? You just keep using the same system and keep growing toward the goal. And 
there's sort of a danger in that as well, right? Most things in life that have a positive aspect, they, they also have a negative aspect. That's the duality of material life. It's all duality. <laughs> so the potential negative side of following a practice and having the help of a spiritual guide is that you sort of can get stuck in the material form. You can get stuck focusing on the material plane details. So for instance, if there's an ashram, I mean, ashrams are great. You have to, I mean, ashrams are great. I mean, the the great's not even the word. They're like doorways to eternity, right? However, if, for instance, and this is just an example I'm making up in my own mind, if you sweep the floor of the ashram every day and you think that that is what you need to do to reach the ultimate goal of human life and you neglect other aspects of spiritual training, that's not good. You can fall into this trap of fooling yourself into thinking that if I do certain worldly things, I will achieve the spiritual goal. And we see this so often with religion. I mean, pretty much that's the main way that religion works is you have to go outside and do things in the material world and you you get applauded for that or you get credit for that or you, that means you're virtuous. Like, like go rec- recruiting people to your religion. I mean, that's probably religions think that's, think that's the greatest thing you can do. And again, it's not bad that you're doing that. It's not bad that you're recruiting. It's not bad that you're sweeping the floor. But we have to be very careful not to get stuck on that and not to just delude ourselves into thinking that if this is all, this is all I have to do. As long as I sweep this floor... I'm fine. The master will take care of the rest. That's not true. (laughs) And it's up for debate. And the reason I say it's up for debate is because that person who is sweeping the floor, they would argue with me day in, day out. They would argue with me. They would say, no, no, this is all I need to do. I have faith or whatever, whatever their argument would be. I believe that isn't true. And the masters say that's not true. <laughs> they, they specifically, literally say that that's not true. <laughs> so you can see where it's easy when you're on a spiritual path to, to take a side road, to get stuck, and to just think that some much lesser thing is the thing and that's all you have to do and you don't have to try anymore. You don't have to grow anymore. You don't have to learn anymore. And by learning, I mean self-learning, not book learning. And the masters clearly say, that's not true. You have to keep moving forward, move on, move on, keep going. Develop higher awareness, develop higher levels of the spiritual qualities, acceptance, tolerance, compassion, love. And that's the spiritual journey. And it's not easy because it's very easy to get stuck at a certain point and because it feels good. It, it feels good to be the person sweeping the floor and say, I sweep the floor of this ashram. I perform a good role. And 
really, that's ego talking. I mean, you might be performing a good role, but that's not it. (laughs) That's not the end of (laughs) the spiritual journey. So in my own spiritual journey, a time came when I was prompted to view a lot of the worldly things that were going on around me, I was prompted to view them as not really necessary and, and, and not necessary for me to be involved in. Because being involved in them basically meant lowering my sights to the material level. And again, there's nothing wrong with doing things on the material level. But if you're on a spiritual journey and you really want to reach the goal, then you have to, most of your attention should be on the spiritual journey, the spiritual path, if you will, the spiritual growth. I mean, almost by definition, you have to start ignoring a lot of material life, (laughs) you know, and again, that doesn't mean we can't have families and we can't have responsibilities and, and it doesn't mean we can't enjoy the material life either. So I had this realization and, and realization is a great word for it. (laughs) I had this realization of, well, that I really wanted to put a lot more effort and energy into interiorizing my practice and my efforts and, and, and the material world things that were going on, they were frustrating. And in a way, that's the blessing. The blessing is that when you're frustrated by something, it, it pretty much means that you think you, well, not that you think you deserve more, but that you think you should be doing something else or moving in a different direction or focusing on something else. Like frustration is the thing that tells you that whatever you're doing and how you're viewing it is is not right. <laughs> it's a ver- frustration is a very good sign from the universe or whoever it comes from. <laughs> so in a way, you can look at your life and the frustrations and the pain and you can allow that to help steer you in life. Because it doesn't make any sense to be involved in something that just continually frustrates you. Now, there were other people involved in these material world activities. The same activities that frustrated me, other people were involved. They weren't frustrated at all. They loved it. So that's good. (laughs) They should keep doing it. (laughs) So... It's not the situation that I was frustrated by. In reality, it was my attention and my... It was me realizing that I need to refine my spiritual practice and, and, and move in that direction by interiorizing it. Because one of the things about the material world is even like, for instance, religions and and even spiritual masters, the, the physical spiritual master, again, it's easy to get attached to them. It's easy to get attached to a physical form. And it's easy to get attached to, for instance, going to church 
and thinking that's where, that's the holy place. And then you feel like unless you're in church, you, you can't really have that same feeling. And, other, and then you think other places are evil places, things like that, right? So you're letting the material world hold you down, hold you back. Where the true spiritual path is that you're not dependent on anything or anyone in the material world. You're only dependent on your inner self with the capital S or God or the great master, if you will, whatever you want to call it, right? I mean, how many times do we have to say that even Jesus said, you can achieve everything I have achieved and more. And every spiritual master says, I'm not special. You can achieve the same thing. You're a human being. The spiritual goal is available to every human being. It doesn't matter about details. It doesn't matter where you were born, what color you are. It doesn't even matter if you've murdered people and robbed banks. You still have the same exact opportunity as every other human being, period. Because you're a human being. It's very special to be a human being. So discomfort in our lives in the material world actually prods us. You know, it want, discomfort and frustration and anger, those are things that are it's like signposts telling us, okay, this isn't the way. You know, you need to get on with the real job. Now, I want to read from Tony Robbins' book, Awaken the Giant Within. Uh, there's a section where he talks about the 10 emotions of power, and one of them is frustration. And he does the same thing with all 10 emotions. He first kind of defines it, then he says, like, what the message is. Like, what message is this emotion giving you? And then he talks about the solution. What should you do? Or how should you move forward? So I'm just going to read this. Frustration. Frustration can come from many avenues. Anytime we feel like we're surrounded by roadblocks in our lives, where we are continuously putting out effort but not receiving rewards, we tend to feel the emotion of frustration. The message. The message of frustration is an exciting signal. It means that your brain believes you could be doing better than you currently are. Frustration is very different from disappointment, which is the feeling that there's something you want in your life, but you'll never get it. By contrast, frustration is a very positive sign. It means that the solution to your problem is within range, but what you're currently doing isn't working, and you need to change your approach in order to achieve your goal. It's a signal for you to become more flexible. How do you deal with frustration? The solution. Number one, realize that frustration is your friend and brainstorm new ways to get a result. How can you flex your approach? Number two, get some input on how to deal with the situation. Find a role model, someone who has found a way to get what you want. Ask them for input on how you might more effectively produce your desired result. Number three, get fascinated by what you can learn that could help you handle this challenge not only today, but in the future, in a way that consumes very little time or energy and actually creates joy. 
All right, so that's pretty cool about frustration. And, and number three is classic Tony Robbins. You know, reframe what's happening. I'll read it again. Number three, get fascinated by what you can learn that could help you handle this challenge not only today, but in the future in a way that consumes very little time or energy and actually creates joy. So, you know, you reframe the situation instead of saying, oh, my God, I'm so frustrated. This is terrible. You say, wow, this is awesome. I'm frustrated. Now I can think of a solution, not only for today, but into the future and a solution that creates joy, which is that that reframing technique is very powerful. You can look in your life at anything and reframe it in a way. That's what I've done with my experience in the past year is that. I could have looked at it as a very negative sign, like, oh, this situation is frustrating me and 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 I'm disappointed because I can't get what I want or or the outcome that I want will never happen. No, I'm I'm happy and I, I feel blessed that I was able to just intuitively react to the situation in a way that I took action in the in the direction of the result that I want. And in the spiritual journey, that's always moving towards subtlety, spirituality, and away from dependence and attachment on material life. So one of the lessons that I can learn from this is that, you know, it's good to follow someone's path. It's good to follow someone on the path, especially because it makes the path smoother and easier to walk. Uh, but you should only follow people as long as it's the path that you want to be traveling on. So you have to be mindful of, okay, what path is this? Where am I going? And am I following this person or this group or this situation into an area that I don't want to go? And then if that the answer is yes that you don't want to go where they're going, then you you shouldn't go there. You should take a different path. And again, spiritually speaking, the way to do it is to move towards subtlety and, and interiorize your journey. I thought a couple excerpts from 365 Dow would be good to read here. This one is called Guidance. It's called guidance. Worship with your conscience. Receive grace with humility. Guide with awareness. Lead with modesty. The altar is a tool. If we kneel before it and say we have done wrong, we are really telling that to ourselves. If we give thanks for our good fortune, we are expressing our modest appreciation for good luck. There is no outside force listening to us. There is no divine retribution for our wickedness. The altar is merely symbolic. Those who follow Tao use it to focus their self-awareness. When we step away from the altar, we should not lose self-awareness. We should not take the fact that worship is symbolic to behave in immoral ways. Instead, we still have to act with a conscience and lead others without manipulating them or taking advantage of them. It takes maturity to grasp 
that there are no gods and yet still behave as if there were. It takes insight to know that you must be your own disciplinarian. Only the wisest can lay down their own divine laws and find guidance as if they were truly heaven's word. So that's a nice passage. And I'll read the last line again, because I think this is the phase of spiritual growth that I was at last year. Only the wisest can lay down their own divine laws and find guidance as if they were truly heaven's word. And that means sort of making your own roadmap in a way, making your own divine laws, laying down your own divine laws, and then finding guidance and actually trusting that guidance from within, obviously. It's not easy, and it's sometimes difficult to evaluate what guidance you're getting. (laughs) Sometimes you get guidance and it seems weird or crazy or... Sometimes it's clearly your own ego talking. No, but other times there are deep guidance that you can receive from inside yourself that you just know is true. And again, that's the whole idea of of spirituality. I'll read another one here. This one is called Defiance. And again, this is from the book 365 Tao. Defiance. Every God can be defied. No choice, no devotion. There have been many rebels who have chosen to defy their gods. Without this option, there can be no true devotion to a holy concept. For devotion is only valuable when a conscious decision is made to follow that course, even in acknowledgement of the difficulties ahead. Choosing to be a devout person is good. Choosing to defy the gods is also good, for it reaffirms the basic ability of human beings to make choices. We cannot support religions which say that there are no choices. Metaphysical totalitarianism of any kind stifles the freedom we have as human beings. It is not acceptable to have a religion where the alternative to faith is punishment. That's how you train dogs, not develop people. Spirituality is only great when it allows that utmost freedom to follow it. If we suffer from difficulties, that is not holy retribution, and we should not allow it to create debilitating questions. If you endure a crisis in your life, it may well challenge your faith. Perhaps you will even respond bitterly to your gods and cry out, how could anything holy permit this atrocity to happen to me? But gods are not our parents or protectors. They are there only to inspire us to be better people. They symbolize the inherent choice of this existence. It is secondary whether we choose belief or defiance. What is precious is that we are always able to choose. Yeah, that's a good one, right? We have to be able to defy. And of course, defiance doesn't mean that you have to act like a crazy person and curse people out. 
and do violence and all this stuff. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means you have to be able to have the choice to go your own way or go a different way. And of course, all the masters say this as well. So I'm going to read a last excerpt here. This one is called Descent. Old man, dissent is not disloyalty. Be careful before you retaliate. Your steel wrapped in cotton may only be brittle bone wrapped in fat. No one is a supreme authority. People seek leaders, priests, gurus, and hermits thinking that someone has a precise formula for living correctly. No one does. No one can know you as well as you can know yourself. All that you can gain from a wise person is the assurance of some initial guidance. You may even spend decades studying under such an extraordinary person, but you should never surrender your dignity, independence, and personality. There is no single way to do things in life. There are valid paths, even though they may differ from the ways of respected elders. Diversity is good for tradition. Too often, elders confuse dissent with disloyalty and punish people for the crime of having a different view. They are no longer in touch with Tao, but instead mouth self-serving convention. Perhaps the panic of their own impending death makes them clutch. When the leaders become repressive, it is a sign that their time is drawing to a close. A saying about old masters was that they were like steel wrapped in cotton. They appeared soft on the outside, but still held great power on the inside. We all hope for elders like that. But oftentimes, the old masters have lost their mandate of Tao. Then, when tested, they are merely brittle bone and fat. How can we respect such people? All right. Well, this, that last reading was <laughs> seemed more extreme or aggressive than the others. Dissent is not disloyalty. That's a good statement there. And evaluating the masters, right? How, how should you seek a guide and evaluate a guide? It's really a question of the heart and a deep feeling. So you have to be in their presence. You have to hear them, interact with them. And in your final evaluation, there should be no doubt about their status or their level of accomplishment or level of attainment in the spiritual realm. That's how you know. And then you just follow. And then you always have to have a conscience, though. You have to think for yourself. And if things change, you have to be aware enough to realize that things have changed and maybe a situation that was really good for you, maybe that's no longer good for you. Maybe you've outgrown it. So I think this is, anyway, this is all just sort of general speaking about what I felt last year. And I mean, 
it's hard to, I can't evaluate myself and I don't pretend to, but I'm trying to follow my inner guidance and, and also at the same time, understand that everybody has their own inner guidance and everybody is following what they think is right. And if there's a whole group of people in the world, or actually there's many, many groups of people in the world who are following things that I think are not quite right, so what? <laughs> that has nothing to do with me. Everybody has to choose and live as they will. And, and really, I'm talking about the spiritual arena. I'm not talking about politics and all this stuff, because that's a whole nother level of <laughs> insanity. <laughs> But in the spiritual field, you have to go with yourself. Now, it's easy to delude yourself and think that I don't have to do anything. I'm a human being. I'm a spiritual person by definition. So I don't have to meditate. I don't have to do cleaning. I don't have to purify myself. I don't have to develop my character. I don't have to emulate the great masters. Unfortunately, we all have to do all those things <laughs> on the spiritual path. That's the spiritual path. Otherwise, we're just deluding ourselves thinking that, oh, we're, we're spiritual people. Anyway, that's, that's a very superficial danger on the spiritual path. But the spiritual path, in, in essence, is becoming like the great souls of the past. Clearly, there have been many people who have achieved or attained high levels of a spiritual existence on earth as a human being, they have acted so gracefully with a level of wisdom that is beyond the average person. Those are the people we should emulate. Those are the people whose advice we should follow. I mean, as, as long as it is congruent with what's in your own heart. And that is the spiritual path. It has nothing to do with religion or politics or anything. It has to do with you becoming something. And my recent experience, I feel, is sort of moving me closer to that. Internalizing my, my journey. And what does that mean? Well, it means following the spiritual path, doing the things you need to do, and not getting, not being influenced by everything around you and being able to just be more reserved and inside your own self and being more aware instead of being carried away by a situation. Anyway, these are my opinions. I mean, and I know you have yours and I want to hear yours. You can actually comment on this post on themysticshow.net if anything I've said, if you have any comments, that's the place to comment. We can have a discussion there. And, you know, one thing I felt last year was sort of this. I almost didn't want to break away from the pack. Part of me wanted to stay with the pack and just keep doing what the pack does. But some other part of me clearly and loudly or emphatically I should say not loudly was telling me time to move on time to take a step or two up the staircase you know make a jump 
And it's interesting that in your life, you can actually decide to make jumps like that. Now, maybe you can't jump all the way to the final goal in one leap. Maybe you can. I don't know. Try it. (laughs) But with certain smaller steps in life, you can absolutely decide that I'm doing this and it's going to work and I'm, it's done. I'm doing it. It's done. <laughs> and, and usually that happens when we're, we're driven by the worldly situations through frustration and anger. We're driven to make a change like that. And again, that's why anger and frustration are tools. They're good signs. They're just signposts. So, well, I wanted to talk about a lot more. I guess I'll have to save it for next episode. So stay tuned for that. I'm happy you could join me. I hope some of this made sense. I'm actually getting a little hungry and lightheaded. This is right before dinner. And I feel like I put a lot of energy into this. So I'm happy that you've listened. I'm happy to be on the spiritual path with you. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. So comment on this post. I wish you all the best in your life with, you know, taking steps up the staircase when you need to and handling frustration and anger and trying times with grace and and with courage to move forward. Because these are the moments in our lives when we have the opportunity to move forward. So I hope you can do that. Thanks again for listening. And until next week, you know what to do. Keep shining.